Welcome to the Recovering Perfectionist Podcast, where I empower you to develop sustainable habits, challenge society, and take messy action. I'm Christine, life balance coach and world champion ballroom dancer, and I believe that everyone has the power to create their very own life by design. The Recovering Perfectionist podcast was created with a mission to encourage a life of abundance by finding peace and acceptance in our own imperfections and developing healthy self-love through sustainable habits and manifestation. It's time to align with the universe for the full human experience and redefine what it really means to be successful. Uh It's too good, the secret is out and wow, Uh uh-huh. Welcome back to another episode of the Recovering Perfectionist podcast. I am so excited to, I'm always so excited to talk to my guests, but this is someone that I've known from my industry that I'm just so excited to share more of a different perspective of what we've been through in this industry. This is Natalie Crandall, and she's a professional dancer, a fitness instructor, and a new energy guide, which is so exciting. I can't wait for you guys to hear her journey. Um, Natalie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This is so great that you've created this platform for yourself. So Thank awesome. you. It's, it's really awesome. It's been a real, um, as my audience knows, it's been a nice release to be really transparent. And like I said, coming from, you know, the industry that we've been in, it's just, we don't talk very openly about some struggles that we go through, except maybe among competitors, you know, in the deep, dark, you know, corners of the world. And um, it's just really nice to uh, be able to share how it's affecting kind of us on our growth, but also like how it's helped us. Cause also I don't want to dog on the industry. The industry gave me so much as I'm sure you mm-hmm. as well. Really? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so to, to kind of catch people up of how Natalie and I know each other, um, we both come from the industry of ballroom dancing. Natalie went way further than I did, <laughs> like way further. Um, I got to a point where I was competing pro, you know, pro-am. I won titles there and did all of my things. And, um, and then I you know, did dance pro with some students. But Natalie went pro, got herself a, an amazing partner. And they did something at U.S. Nationals that no one really has ever done. And they won two different styles the same year. Mm-hmm. Um, she was just like on fire. When you saw this girl on the floor, she's still on fire, but just in different avenues now. <laughs> and um, we kind of knew of each other. I was a big fan of hers. You know, we were just chatting at after parties and talking and whatever. And you, you know, we had connected through my dad a little bit and then um you did your big thing at u.s nationals when was that 2019 18 uh, i think it was 2018 yeah. 18 and then all of a sudden like we didn't quite see you very much on the floor and i was like that's weird like where's natalie she should be in this final and so once the pandemic kind of happened i reached out to you and just wanted to make a more personal connection because I knew that there was this energy there that was like, this is someone I really want to connect with more. And not seeing you, I was like, that's really interesting because in our industry, when someone does something like that, that's like, that's like lighting a fire. Like, let's go. This is your, your career set, you know? <laughs> and all of a sudden, like we chatted 
and you, I was going through something. That's why I reached out to you. Mm-hmm. And you kind of were sharing your personal growth and why, what happened after that happened mm-hmm. um, and how you were feeling. So if we can just kind of maybe start there, I think that would be a good place to kind of yeah. start the journey if you're okay with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I am. I definitely, I feel, I mean, this is so great to connect in this way because I felt the same, like just getting to know each other and especially in that whirlwind of competing all the time and you're just traveling and all these things to see like a nice familiar friendly face is always nice. (laughs) um, Yeah. So I had started competing when I was six years old. I started as pro-am. So I started dancing with my professional teacher and as an amateur at six years old and just kept going, going, going until I was 23. And that's when I started dancing professional. So I had already had like, I'm not good at math, I think it's 17 years, 17 years amateur. (laughs) Eight, that's good. Five, six, seven, eight. Otherwise other math. That's it, exactly. That's (laughs) what we're good at. I tell my husband that all the time. Five, six, seven, he goes, you guys don't even start on one. I was like, no, five, six, seven, eight. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, so it was 17 years of dancing amateur. And then I turned pro and I, I ended up having just, in my opinion, was like a Cinderella story, like fairy tale. I had a partner who was only 15 minutes, you know, up north, like in a different city. And so luckily, we were in the same state, we're in the pretty close to each other. We both wanted to do the same thing. We had the same like ideas about everything. It just all kind of connected in that way. And when we started- so, and just to cut you, just for those people who, when you say that's a, a Cinderella story, because most people don't have that, they yeah. are usually doing commuting. They find an amazing partner because mm-hmm. finding a partner is a very hard thing to do. Someone that connects with you and has the same goals. Mm-hmm. And usually it's across the, the country. So they're, you know, <laughs> meeting in different places and doing all kinds of things. And so you got really lucky with an amazing partner that you vibed with that only lived 15 minutes from you. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And so when that happened too, it was just kind of like the pathway lit up in that sense. And it was just so clear ever since I was a kid. And especially when I was 15 years old, I just remember like making the decision in my head. I was like, I want to dance pro. I want to be a national champion. Like this is now my path. This is everything I do is going to be working towards this. And I just really made it my goal and visualized it and would write down affirmations all the time and obviously show up and do the work. And so when it was happening, it was very exciting because I was like, wow, this is everything I wanted. This is so great. And we did really well. We were doing really well in Rising Star. And so that's the level right before pro and um, open pro, I should say. And so we were doing well in Rising Star and making finals in open pro. And because of that, it was like, I always describe it like if you played Mario Kart and you get on the rainbow road and it just like, it sends you like even faster. That's how I felt. Was like, we just- That's a great visual. (laughs) Right? That's how I felt. And it was just because we had such momentum, we wanted to keep up with it. But um, physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, your body can only sustain so much for so long. So- Mentally, I know I was and am still a very mentally strong person, but I would take that a little bit too far in the sense of mind over matter, mind over everything, whereas my body was tired, I was not sleeping very well because of the traveling, and I just was kind of like, that's fine, I'm mentally strong, and I can handle that. So that was kind of like creeping up in the background, I would say, as we were on this momentum and this just like 
amazing path that was laid out in front of us to compete. And so by the time we got to our nationals, it was, we had worked so hard. We had ended up winning the Rising Star Rhythm, Rising Star Smooth, and the Open Nine Dance all in one nationals. And what happened actually the day before that, we had flown from LA to Orlando to compete at nationals. And we had competed on Sunday night. And right after our final, I had my makeup on and everything, grabbed our suitcases, flew to Orlando because my partner needed to dance with a student the next day. And while we were flying, I ended up having to go, we landed, our connection was in Houston and we landed and I actually ended up having to go to the hospital because I was having a full uh, body, almost full body, but mainly pulmonary and abdominal muscle spasm. Oh my and so gosh. as we landed in Houston, I remember it was just like I was having cramps and I just was feeling really like not good. And every time I was trying to breathe, it was like almost like a boa constrictor, like it just kept getting tighter, tighter. And I was taking smaller breaths. And so when we landed, I told my partner, I was like, I was like, I can't breathe really. Like, I know I'm talking to you, but it's really hard. And I said, I, my body just- Like a panic attack almost. Almost, yeah. It's like, like a worse. panic attack, yeah. but then my muscles were cramping too. So it was like, really felt out of control. Mm. So I went to the hospital, they ran all these tests and I was in the ER and basically they gave me a muscle relaxer and fluids and I totally relaxed and I had like, was fine. And so the doctor was saying, you know, because- of the way that we were competing and traveling and just constantly on the go. He said, you weren't giving your body any time to rest. You went from competing all night long to hopping on a plane and going up however high in the air. And he's like, your body just not not sustainable. So he told us, he's like, just rest for a few days. Meanwhile, we have our nationals the next day. Yeah, that's not (laughs) happening. Yes, doctor, I'll rest. And then I went and luckily we still, you know, did great. I was healthy for that day. We won. And and then it was just really kind of, it was such a paradox because emotionally and mentally, I was like, wow, we did it. Like we did something that we set our minds to something I set my mind to when I was 15 and it's happening and it's, and it, it happened. And you're just so elated in your mind, but physically, I was just like, defeated I was physically sick I was very underweight for my weight and just like not sleeping and so in a way it was like you have talk about blood sweat and tears you have this like full bliss moment of just like achieving something so big but at the same time feeling all of the all of the things that suffered from that Uh was my body being physically unwell, just having insomnia, having stress. And it was just like a big wake up call for me of like, this is great. And this is good. But right now, this is not sustainable. You can't sustain this, this kind of work. And so I think after nationals, that's what it just really hit me in that way of like, okay, Natalie, take a breath, take a deep breath. Let's pause for a moment. I had been just going since I was six years old and not really stopping to think about my well-being or to really just take into account like be present with anything and I just felt like I was just on this mission go 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 and then I reached my Everest my echelon and then it was like that's when everything hit me of Mm -hmm. like you know but I want to stop you for a minute when you say I was never really thinking about my Mm well-being and that I think is where the problem starts is because is it our job to 
think about our well-being, we're never taught to think about our well-being. That's, I think, where the issue starts. It's like it, where people are saying that in finances. Well, nobody ever taught me, you know, gave me a financial education. So how am I supposed to know? You know, and I'm, it's not that I'm putting blame on other people. It's more like, how are we supposed to know that this isn't the path? Like you said, you've been going from six to, you know, for so many years um, in our industry, when you see other pros, they're just as tired, just as jet lagged. Just, I mean, they're doing B12 shots to get, keep themselves going. Like, this is kind of like, you saw all these people around you and you're like, oh, that's normal. I got mind over matter. I have to power through because yeah. I won't be a champion if I don't. Mm -hmm. Your coaches, same thing. They tell you, keep going, keep doing, keep, you know, all that stuff. And it's not like, I'm not saying that these are the people to blame. It's a whole system that fuels this type of environment mm -hmm. that, it's breeding, it's champion breeding area. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if you're trying to accomplish something in that level, you just have to know it's like the Olympics. It's just like, boom, 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 here we go. Mm -hmm. But what I like what you did, which is kind of, I think energetically what gravitated me towards you was that you consciously, I mean, I didn't know you had the Houston issue. That was interesting yeah. that you just told me, cause that was definitely like, whoa, red flag, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then when you come out of that and then after you win all these incredible things in one competition, I'm sure your coaches were like, here we go. What's the next thing? Your partner was so excited. Oh my gosh, this is it. We did it. We're on, on the path to success. And you're over here like, um, yeah, I need to reevaluate some things. Yeah. And that's that you're so right. Yeah. It was, it was exciting and it felt that way. Like the, you know, the career, like you had mentioned in the beginning, you know, like, well, your career is set and now people know who you are and you've made yeah. this name for yourself and it's, and it's all great, but I, yeah, I was struggling internally. I was really, I was struggling with like just stress and anxiety. And I was starting to have just more like depressive thoughts and everything, which was abnormal for me because it's just, I'm very optimistic, positive person. Right. And yep. so it was just a, I knew that I needed to help myself. And I was like, I, this is, I can be looking okay from the outside, but internally there's a lot going on. I need to get my health in check. I need to figure out my sleeping schedule. I need to probably talk with a therapist, which is something that I ended up doing too, because it's a lot of pressure too. If you go that quickly, like we did and to go from a pro-am student, so an amateur into a professional and then to have that kind of career, it was, it was almost as if like, I had no time to adjust. It was just like, and here you go. And here's the top. And it was just very like shocking for me too to like mentally wrap myself around that. I wouldn't say that I felt then how I feel now as a professional, mm. just like comfortable and feeling confident in what I know and confident as an instructor and a teacher and a coach. I didn't have that when I won. So it was kind of like, you know, uh, the imposter syndrome was still there too. Yes, yes, and yes, so yes. it definitely, I needed to step back and just really take care of my, my health in all areas, energetically, mm. emotionally, spiritually, physically. And I think, you know, like you said, it's not anyone's fault. It's just that this kind of topic of wellness and taking care of yourself, it's just not a topic that's discussed openly. 
And we get in this, and I think this is in everything, you know, in any industry, it's like that hustle culture and that work, work, grind and all these things. And that's very much in Western athletics as well and any competitive sport that you go into. And it's true, you have to have a certain level of dedication and a certain level of commitment and a certain level of mental strength. But that doesn't mean that you just forget about feeding your body with good fuel and making sure you're getting good sleep, making sure maybe you're adding meditation or a breathwork practice in there to make sure that you're, you can actually sustain this kind of thing. And I think when you can get into bigger sports, like basketball or anything that's, you have like a sponsor, like a full sponsor, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes they'll assign that to you. Like you'll get a mental health coach. But because what we do is very much everyone's like grassroots on their own, like they just, you got to do it on your own that, you know, having that is not quite like it's a luxury to have something like that. And I don't necessarily believe that your dance coach should also be like a wellness coach for you, like two different areas and two different expertise. And And two different goals, honestly, like your dance coach is really focusing on making you a champion and they're going to push you more so than a wellness coach is going to help give you grace and give you rest and allow you to, you know, skip a rehearsal (laughs) if you need to mentally, like it's a different, it's a different, you know, end goal for sure. Yeah. And I think it helps too. Like there's times I look back when I was competing and I was just so focused on getting ready and being on there on time that I wasn't also, I didn't know how to like breathe into the moment and be super present so that I could just enjoy what I was doing as well and not feel this pressure from myself because at the end, you know, we're all just putting this pressure on, on ourselves, really. We're giving ourselves the shoes to fill and we can project that onto other people and say, oh, my coach told me this or the judges are this, but really it's, it's us, you know, like, right. Cause we see ourselves achieving. I was just talking about this last night in like high school, like the people who did well in high school that checked all the boxes that just kind of came easy. And then all of a sudden they started seeing results and like parents are proud. Teachers are proud. You know, everyone's proud. And you're like, Oh, okay. I just have to do more of this in order to get more love or more results. And that ends up being a very slippery slope, at least for me, it was because I was the straight A student, the honor roll, all the stuff and teachers loved me. And then you start realizing like, what did I just do to myself? Like I literally just now, even if the teachers or the parents don't put this pressure on me, I've now put it on myself because now this feeling of achievement is addictive. Mm -hmm. It's like a drug. And so now I want to do it in everything. And I know that I can. Mm-hmm. you know and so versus you know like my brother wasn't maybe the best student in school but he's much more grounded as an adult yeah you know what I mean like and I've seen some people I was just talking to someone last night he said yeah I wasn't the best student either and then you talk to him and he's just got this like even keel about him that just he's he doesn't have but he's also both my, both my brother and this other person are very successful now yeah mm-hmm. you know and so it's just a different way to get there but yeah. also making sure that you don't put the pressure on yourself in that moment to feel like you have to achieve. They've done a lot of failing and so have I, but mm-hmm. I almost like get more mad at myself than my brother does, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think if you grew up in that atmosphere, if you grow up in any competitive sport in that way, it's it definitely just breeds your mind in a different way. And right. that's a hard pattern to not 
break, but a pattern to make sustainable and fulfilling for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm, I feel similar, like anything I do, I'm like, I need to be the best at it. And that's just my internal dialogue that I've like really come to terms with. And like, you know, know when that's happening now in my head of like, mm. when that perfectionist side is coming, when that competitor is coming, and then learning now to recognize it, label it like, okay, I see you, I hear you, you know, like that part, I, you know, it's usually your ego that's telling you. I was going to say, it's the ego. We give it a name. We put it aside. Exactly. You're not serving me right now. (laughs) Uh And, and it's great because, and I'm thankful for my ego too, because it got me to this place and it was just my, my journey was supposed to be in this way. And I learned to, you know, listen to that part of myself and say, you know, like, thank you, but you're not, you're not welcome right now. I'm trying to do something for fun, or I'm just trying to explore something. And when I do want that ego to come in, then I can invite it in and be like, okay, give me that fire. Give me that push. Give me that like attention to detail that I need, but I don't need it constantly all the time. And I think when we're in a competitive atmosphere, and I find this with a lot of competitors is just, it's really hard to separate everything when you are, you go to practice and then you compete and then everything else in your day that you're doing doesn't have to be in the same way. You can like put that in one area and make that your focus and your career and your competition. But then all the other areas of your life, you need to have a release from that. You need to have that balance. Otherwise you'll drive yourself insane. And I think there's a lot of people that struggle with anxiety and stress and depression sometimes, and just not knowing how to balance any of that, that they feel they never get to really enjoy the moment of like enjoying being on the floor. Cause that time goes by super fast too. Like it's only a few. Well, that's the thing being present. Yeah. It's very, I mean, not even just in a, I mean, we're watching like Olympic trials right now with Simone Biles. I mean, like I, I feel like when I, when you hear her talk and how she's able to be so critical thinking and conscious in that moment, I hope that she's being present because she's like making history right now. But I feel like you're right. Like in that moment, a lot of can be happening. You could be going through anxiety. You could be stressed. You could be exhausted. You could be overwhelmed, depressed. There's all these things that could be happening and yes, excitement and joy and all those things too. But a lot of times, you know, we, those things push us out of the moment so quickly, or we want so badly to place first or achieve or whatever, that you're not even just thinking, oh my gosh, I'm actually doing something I really love. Like we forget that that's a thing. (laughs) It becomes, it becomes this like race that now like we have to achieve and we have to do it. And it's like, oh yeah, but also like, I'm really, I'm doing a really fun foxtrot right now and I'm really enjoying myself. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and I find myself like, when I'm coaching now and I see my students get into that space, I'll like mm-hmm. take a deep breath. Remember right. You're doing this. You do this because you love to dance and that's why you're doing it. And yes, yeah. we, we need that mindset if you want to achieve things like becoming a champion. Like it's, it's not easy. You have to have that. Like I would mention earlier, you have to have the commitment and the mental strength and all those things too. But you can also have that. And I think that's what sometimes people forget is you can have both. It's a combination. Mm-hmm. It's the intertwining of being present, but also, you know, being goal oriented and being focused, but also being relaxed into the moment enough to enjoy it. And we think it has to be one or the other when it can actually be both at the same time. Yeah. But it needs to, that also needs to be taught and needs to be normalized. 
yeah. you know, because some people, <laughs> if you talk to some champions, you know, of the older generation, they're like, no, 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 you just have to go for it. Like, mm -hmm. if you don't, if you don't have that, you know, dog eat dog, like I'm going to grab everything that's mine kind of mentality, then it won't happen. And it's like, sometimes you can be that soft and still, you know, get there and not feel like you have to be the front runner all the time and still be the person that's going to just do your thing, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so what I want to talk about is like, so you, you accomplished all these things, mm -hmm. you won all these titles in one competition, you know, now that you had right before this, like, severe panic attack, muscle convulsion type situation. And what was the first thing you did or thought of after this competition was over? Like, how did you move forward? Yeah. Feels like a very paralyzing time. Yes, it was very intense, yeah. <laughs> I would say that when, when I got back home, it was just kind of this, it's weird to say this, but it was almost like feeling very empty. Like mm. I achieved something and it was really great. And then I came home and it was almost like this, like, oh, now what? Now I just keep going at this pace. Like this is going to be really hard and very, like I got to do something to help me internally. And so first things first, I, I sought out a therapist and I was like, I need to find some help. I need to find someone to talk to who can under, like make me feel like I'm not going crazy and that mm. I have, am having anxiety and there's like a good reason for it. Like, you know, because I got into that mindset of like, I shouldn't be having these thoughts. I shouldn't be feeling this way because I just did something that I wanted to do and checked off that box of my big goals as a kid, you know, like those are very confusing time for me of like, why do I feel this way when I did something I always wanted to do? Mm -hmm. And so that was the first thing is I went and I sought out a therapist and Luckily, I had an art therapist, which was great. And she was like, made me feel like a little kid and was like, okay, draw this or paint that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. You should just get in back into that creativity mode because that's what led me to dancing in the first place was mm -hmm. being a kid and loving to do shows and get dressed up and like mm -hmm. finding that like real internal love for dancing again and not that it was something to be produced or like monetized in a way, but like right. really finding that core value of like, what is it about this that I love so much? Why did I start? And so I, I did that. And then I also just started to get really heavy and deep into meditation and breath work and just really came back to like ground zero, came back to basic, started to really just go internal and do a lot of just internal work. And I started doing yoga teacher training and was like, I just need to like, for a second and like calm it down because I've just been going nonstop. And then it just so happened that Kinergy, um, Julianne Huff was looking for instructors for the, her modality Kinergy. And I saw it and I was like, wow, this looks really interesting. And they want movers, they want like, you know, instructors. And it was all about health and wellness. But of course, with it being Julianne, I was like, there's going to be dance involved for sure. Mm -hmm. And so I sent in uh, my resume for that. And I was still competing. I was still, you know, like dancing, but we weren't dancing as much because more so because of me, because I was physically in, like injured in areas and mentally just needing a break. And, um, and so then I actually ended up going to the audition, had this amazing experience doing this mm. modality with Julianne. And I was, a, I was experiencing dance in a way that I had never experienced it before of just, there was uh, 
movement that was choreographed, like you follow someone, Mm -hmm. but then there's a point where you let yourself just be free and you let yourself Mm -hmm. move and you let yourself like move in these ways that you don't, as a ballroom dancer, at least, or like a ballerina or someone who does structure and technique, it felt very foreign. And I was like, oh, this is not right. This is weird, but I'm going to go with it. Like this is, you know, I'm like just following whatever's happening in the audition. And then after I just had this like deep cathartic like emotional release I was crying it was just like oh "Oh my god this is like I forgot about this feeling of like of this is the feeling of dancing this is the feeling of like artistry and expression and mainly expression expressing yourself and so at the end of the audition the first round um it was down to like 20 of us and they only took 10 and I was not one of those 10 and I remember at that point, I was like, oh my God, everything is falling apart. I was like, I'm falling apart. Now I didn't get this audition. Like I was just like deep down, like just really in the trenches for sure after not getting it. But also realizing in hindsight, I needed to not get that because I needed, the universe was just telling me like, keep doing what you're doing. You don't need to dive into something else right away because right. that you know, like we just talked about, if I dived into it, I would want to go 100% all the way. And the universe was just like making things fall away. Like that's not time for this right now. It's not time for that. It's just time for you to focus on yourself. And so we ended up, me and my partner ended up splitting towards the end of that next year. And I think we did nationals one more time. And then after that, we were done. And it was just, you know, it was like a really tough time because I had this idea of my career going in this direction and it just wasn't. Yeah. And I could have forced it. I could have, you know, kept doing that, but I was really, there was something in me that was like, you know, you have to listen to yourself. You have to listen to your body, listen to your heart. And so then come, what was it? Like right after quarantine that they reached out again and they, for Kinergy and they're like, oh, we're looking for instructors again but we need you to have this certification and be teaching for this long and have all these things that mm-hmm. I was working on during the quarantine and just kind of dove into, which was teaching dance more, teaching yoga, getting mm-hmm. more breath work and more, even deeper into that. And so then the, the opportunity came again and I was asked to do the, the training and was accepted as a guide this time around, which is super mm-hmm. exciting and humbling. And it just has really transformed my experience of dance and my experience of dance in a wellness space that is not in a competitive space. And now trying to bridge that gap of how do I help this come together? How do I help competitors see that movement and dancing is also wellness? It's not just the competed. And then if you don't make it, then you just stop dancing. Like, no, you should always keep dancing and expressing yourself. This is a way to cross another path. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's also what our industry teaches too, is like, it just shows one path. And Mm -hmm. so like, if you don't resonate with that path or you don't make that path or, you know, you can't sustain it. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, now what, like, how do I continue to do this, but keep dancing, but not do what everyone else is doing. So yeah. that I love that. I'll be your first student. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love what you said about not getting distracted by opportunities, new things and stuff like that and really focusing on you because I think that's been um, in full transparency. That's been my biggest issue mm-hmm. um, that it's so easy, like you said, to get, 
oh, I just need to focus on something else and I need to start achieving in that. Yes. Right. And, or I just shiny new object, this I'm good at this. I'll do this. Mm -hmm. And it is what I've learned through my therapist and lots of other things I've been doing that it is, it's all taking away from the white space in your life. And you're trying really to create, um, time for yourself where you're not feeding yourself with social media, television shows, other people's opinions, other activities that are, you know, voices in your head. Mm -hmm. And you're really trying to just have time just for you to -hmm. focus on your growth. And I think that that's really hard for people like us because it's like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Nobody has ever showed us what this looks like. How do we know what the work is, Mm -hmm. right? The work for us has always been go to the studio, you know, X number of hours a day, you know, X days a week and, and work your butt off and become a champion. And so now slowing down and actually taking time and not focusing on, oh yeah, I'm working on this. Like we, when people ask us, what are you working on right now? We love to say something, Mm -hmm. you know, and for us to say that we're not working on anything or we're working on ourselves. What does that even mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, it's been a very interesting experience when you do do that and you take that time. I love how you said that it's white space. I love that because it's so true. And that's when you really get to the deep, deep inner work of like, what do I really like to do? What do, what is it about this or that? Or why do I want to, why do I feel like I need to achieve everything all the time? Like what And and it just goes deep, deeper and deeper and deeper. And you think you find the seed of that, of that pattern in your life and it goes even deeper. And you're like, oh "Oh, yeah, it's from when I was like a kid. And this is like you said in the beginning, I got praise when I did good. And so then I just kept that pattern going. And it's just really taking that time to just like study yourself. And I found that by doing that, I'm able to sustain a better mood all the time. My emotions feel much more regulated. Mm-hmm. I'm able to know as well, like what besides being a dancer or besides being a career woman or anything, what else makes me feel good? Oh, sitting and taking five deep breaths and then sitting in a meditation for 15 minutes makes me feel so good. And it's like, all I need is myself and my breath. And it's mm-hmm. like, if you don't take time to learn those little things. Like these little things that can make you feel so, so different and so good, then we become very attached to the external and internal is not permanent. It's always changing. It's always in flux and it's always in flow. And maybe you'll have something for a while and then it goes away. And then maybe you're really succeeding in this and then that stops. But where in that flux and that flow, can you find that steadiness? And that for me is going internal. That for me is journaling and meditating and just stretching at the end of the day, you know, and just finding mm-hmm. these very small little things that we can do that massively change our energy, that massively change our mindset. And people will notice it, you know, like if you were talking to Natalie post USDC after winning, mm-hmm. like very anxiety ridden, depressed Natalie to now, it would be a totally different person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when we can almost, if you want to take it back to like, having a uh, progression or progress is when people start to notice that about you. I'm like, wow, you're such a lovely person to be around or your energy is really nice or you're so kind or like, that's what I want to, that's what I would rather be known for, you know, is yes. 
a kind and loving and healthy person in all areas instead of just in one. And then when, you know, I'm not having success in my one career, then I'm super depressed and upset instead of like, okay, that's not happening, but here's all these other things. Like my nutrition is good. My sleeping is great. And like, overall, I feel like a a successful, healthy human because I'm keeping all those areas of my life very sustainable and fulfilling, you know? And I think that's something that can be done and be a competitor. But like we mentioned, it's a, it's not a topic that's discussed or there's not a lot of resources for that. And I think that's just in Western athletics, competitive athletics in general. It's a very, like people think that, like I said, you can't have both, but you need both. You need both in order to maintain, like you said, the longevity mm-hmm. and what's the word I use all the time, which I see you using too, sustainable. <laughs> it is it is a word that people don't often think can exist. And yeah, it is just not, uh, it's not possible to do something long-term without having either those good habits or those good, you know, self-care mm-hmm. techniques um, yeah. to be able to do that. Um, one more thing I wanted to discuss, you are in a very amazing, beautiful relationship. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we kind of discussed that a little bit too, because at the time I was engaged and I just got married, yeah. which is amazing. Thank you. And that is like the best part of my life, like my relationship and with my husband and it's amazing. And I can see that you have something similar with with your boyfriend and how during that time, because how long have you guys been together now? Um, Four years now. Four years. So he was there during all of this winning and mentally losing and all of these things that were going through your head. How did that affect your relationship? Was it difficult for you to find yourself and focus on you and still try to be the good girlfriend and part of a couple Mm -hmm. and like, that's it's hard to coexist in that way yeah yeah I mean I feel very very grateful and very blessed to be with someone who is the most calm the most understanding the most supportive person because I think what helps is that he's not in the industry and he's not a competitor in anything and he can see it from the outside but he's not in it So it was just really nice to hear his observation of a lot of things. And he was someone who taught me a lot about like the psychology of what's happening in my, because he has a psychology degree. And so that was helpful in general. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And is very into wellness and meditation and all of that as well. So it was kind of like I had that influence with him. Mm. Um, But I definitely feel like I noticed that I when I was in that space of being very low and in the trenches, I I could tell that I wasn't being the best partner that I could be to any, to not even my dance partner. Absolutely. Him. And I think just expressing that, I think what's very hard is people feel when they're in those low spaces, their low mental spaces, they think that it's weak to say something that it's you're crumbling or you're not succeeding when being open and honest is the and being vulnerable is the most courageous thing anyone can do and I think at those points I was so low that I just was so vulnerable and transparent of like listen I told my parents I told my I told him and I was just like this is what's happening right now these thoughts are like not normal thoughts for me I'm feeling sick physically 
And I think just being as vulnerable as possible and being as open and transparent as possible is what led to that support. Because I think mm. if I tried to mask it and hide it and be like, I'm fine, everything's fine. Don't worry, I'm fine, everything's fine. And well, like, that's what we've been doing. Right. Like that's what that, and that's the thing is that, you know, we, you got to change something in order to get a different result. And I think, you know, you don't have time to be vulnerable and open and say, this is what's happening, this is what's going on when you're competing and on a plane every second and going from one event to the other and, you know, on deck and then it's just insane. And so now is your time that like, if, if let's try this and see if something is different, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think it just also shows like in those moments, who's really there for you as a person and not there for you as like, being this productive person, like a productive person, but like right. caring about your well-being. And so I would say that it was, I like I said, I'm very lucky to have someone who's very understanding and supportive and just kind of rode that wave. And it wasn't trying to change anything, but was just there. You know, I was like, I'm here, I'll be your rock. I'll listen to you mm. and I'll under, like try to understand as much as I can. And, but at the same time, he would express to me, like, I'm also not a competitor. So I don't fully understand what you're going through. So like, right. you're gonna have to go through some of these emotions on your own, but like, I'll be right here, I'll be hugging you or, you know, like be that shoulder to cry on. And I think that's so important to have that solid, sustainable, like group of people that you can rely on. And sometimes it's your family and it's just your family. And for me, for a long time because I danced so much when I was a kid, I didn't have a lot of friends. <laughs> it was just right. me. So luckily my parents uh, are both very active in that. They both very much believe in like wellness and your mental health. Oh, my very cool. Mental health counselor. So, you know, she was like, hey honey, like pay attention to this as well. And so I think, you know, just being vulnerable and transparent, mm. telling those people in your life what you're going through will save any relationship in that way. And just, you know, and being, yeah, just being open. It's a, it's a hard thing to do, but when you do it, I find too, like even just this, like this conversation, someone might hear it and be like, wow, like, oh, there's someone else who actually is struggling with this or has struggled with it or has found ways to cope with it. And mm -hmm. because, you know, just like having a conversation can help someone feel seen, even if they're just, oh, listening. totally, you know? And so I think, well, that helped me when I heard you, when I, I mean, that's why I reached out to you. Cause I was like completely lost feeling like I saw what you had accomplished and I was like, how, like what, there's something going on there. I could feel that there was this, and I was like, I'm feeling the same way. I'm feeling overwhelmed and thoughts of depression and, you know, just not just stressed and anxious all the time. And I, again, these are not normal feelings for me. And I was like, what is happening? Why do I feel this way? And when we started talking, I literally was listening to you going, I feel like I'm talking to myself. This is insane. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's just not normal feelings that we should be having as humans, but we've normalized them. We've right. Anxiety. We've normalized the grind. We've normalized physical mm -hmm. pain. We've normalized all of this, but yeah. it's not for our benefit. It's for an industry or a corporation or a, you know, like massive benefit on a big scale, but not individually, right. you know? So I think the more, and I'm happy to see that wellness and self-care and like meditation becoming kind of like trendy, popular things, but I'm like, this is good though. Like, this is good. People need yeah. to learn like taking a rest day is okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. A rest day. That's okay too. Like maybe right. you're, you can do anything, but mentally you need that break and that's okay. 
Like we're not made to function at this like high functioning level of 24 seven. Like we totally. need that break. We need someone to tell us it's okay to take a break too. Right, absolutely. Okay. This is amazing. I like, <laughs> I'm so glad that we were able to do this and, and continue this conversation. Um, do you have any last thoughts on specifically speaking to those perfectionists, you know, who just feel that they're constantly trying to, um, I think what my therapist said to me at one point was if I don't feel like I can be good at it, I almost don't want to try to do it. Mm -hmm. So it's like that doing something for fun or trying and failing maybe, or whatever. It's like, you've got, I've gotten to the point where I just do it if I know that I can be good at it. Mm -hmm. um, and that limits what you do. Um, do you have any final thoughts speaking to those types of personalities? Yeah, I would say that something that really helped me was I feel that like, if you don't feel like you can perfect it and be good and be the best at it, you don't even want to start, which hinders a lot and you lose a lot of possibilities. And so I would say that imperfect action is better than no action. And it's okay to be messy. It's okay to fail. It's okay to do all these things because everyone's doing it all the time, but it's when we can let go of keeping that tally on ourselves and that, oh, you didn't do that right. Oh, you didn't do this right. And letting that voice have its space and tell them to go sit in the corner for a little bit, take a break, let the ego sit down and just take imperfect action. Be like a child again, color outside of the lines, create something new because we're not here to just perfect, but we're here on earth to create. We're creative beings. We wouldn't be talking over technology if we weren't creative people, you know? And so- and experience. Really, so we were here to experience and be present. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. Totally. So getting out of that, trying to perfect everything, but having grace and fun with the imperfection and taking perfection and moving it into creativity, I think has helped me a lot. And that really embrace that if you are a perfectionist, you're really just paying attention to detail but you can pay attention to detail and be creative as well. So there's, you know, I think that it's a hard balance, but finding time to be creative is also a good one. Coloring or making art or singing or dancing for fun is always a good way to get yourself out of that mindset so that you're in more of that flow instead of trying to do everything right all the time. Cause there is no right, really. There's so well, exactly right is so <laughs> relative. <laughs> So relative, yes, yeah. right? Like who's right? We're all right and we're all wrong at the same time. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. Well, listen, uh, anyone who heard this conversation who wants to maybe reach out to Natalie or just see, you know, take one of her classes. She does so many classes. She's based in um, Arizona and does all of her amazing spin classes. And you can see her on Kinergy, which is amazing. And uh, yeah, I'll put all of her links to her social media in the show notes so that you guys can check her out and yeah, give yourself time to be creative. <laughs> that's the, that's the lesson. And be creative. Exactly. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening to the Recovering Perfectionist podcast. I'm Christine, and if this episode resonated with you or spoke to you in any way, please feel free to share. I absolutely love hearing from you guys and your thoughts about the topics based on your experiences. And also, if there's anything you want me to talk about, just screenshot this episode and share it on social media with your comments. Your feedback really helps me to curate episodes that best serve you. If you have time, I would greatly appreciate if you could leave a review wherever you're listening to this episode, whether on Apple or Spotify or any other platform. I'm wishing you a blessed week ahead. And remember, perfection doesn't exist. Take messy action. Healthy habits keep us balanced and you are enough.